Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your boys here, Sincere Hogan, Mike Mahler. This is the Live Life Aggressively podcast, baby. What's up, man? Hey, man, I'm doing good, and uh, I've been enjoying the feedback on the last couple episodes, and I know people are going to love the sound quality on this episode. Yeah, so much better. We're all about stepping it up. So, I mean, right away when we got that feedback of sound quality could be improved, which is not like you and I didn't know that. We listened to the episodes ourselves. But right away, we both bought microphones. I mean, you bought the microphone right away. You told me about it. So, I mean, so that's really what the show is. We're not, we're not taking any advertising this show for this show. We're not trying to make a whole bunch of money via that means. We want to produce a high-quality show. We're going to pitch our products and services because, hey, we're, we both run businesses. We have things to do. So we're going to do that, but we're not going to pitch it all throughout every episode where you're just like, man, I wish those guys would stop talking about their workshops and supplements every five seconds. Or but, spend or spend twenty minutes talking about what we're doing. It's just like <laughs> make an yeah. entire segment on. Oh, okay, you can only talk so much about a workshop, but I don't want to sit there and spend ten minutes like, yeah. So Chicago, can't wait, man. And you know, <laughs> you know one thing about Chicago, I love teaching in Chicago. Chicago like, dude, really? Shut the hell up about Chicago yeah, and man. your workshop. <laughs> yeah, you know that you know that hot dog stand they have over on the corner of this. Oh yeah, man, I love that place. Now we take the students there. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know exactly. so we should go get hot dogs after my workshop, folks. You know, it's like when <laughs> like, comedians when comedians have nothing to say, they'll always say stuff yeah, like, "Hey, crazy, man. let's crazy, uh, man. let's uh, let's, uh, let's hear it for the ladies. <laughs> yeah. Come on, let's yeah, hear it for all the fellas that are single." It's like, all yeah. right, all right. Trust me. Yeah, especially like black comedians have that really bad. Like, yeah, man, y'all are looking good tonight, ladies in the house. Yay, ladies, y'all look real good tonight. Like, okay, dude, your jokes are bombing right now. You're trying to buy time. Okay. You, know, you know what's funny is when a comedian's up on stage and his his or her act is just not going anywhere. No one's laughing, and then he or she will be like, "Well, oh, I guess you guys aren't in a good mood tonight. I guess everyone's just kind of just trying to chill." It's like, no, you're not funny. That's oh, the you problem. Suck. You <laughs> suck. Because that? comedy, comedy is very black and white. People are either laughing or they're not. So I mean, yeah. you don't have to wonder whether you enjoyed a comedy experience. Either you laughed or you didn't. And if you didn't laugh, then it was either it wasn't a fit for you, or the com- or maybe you're just a, a jack off too. That's a possibility. <laughs> you, know, you may be some up, you may be some uptight prima donna who doesn't laugh at anything. So that that's a possibility. But the yeah. other possibility is that the person on stage sucks, <laughs> and that's a strong I like, possibility. Um, I like the new thing now in comedy that they like to use now when their jokes are bombing. They'll say a joke, and they're like, what? and it's really quiet, and you hear the crickets, and all of a sudden, what, what, too soon, too soon? <laughs> like, no, not soon enough, because you're still here. Leave. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the stage. Jackass. Not too soon, just not funny, buddy. That's exactly. <laughs> too, too boring. How about that? Okay. I was at a comedy show in Los Angeles one time, and there was a guy named Shane. He's still out there. He's actually a pretty good Oh, I've heard of that guy. Yeah. He's pretty good, but he had a rough night, and he he didn't time one of his jokes properly, and it didn't go well over. It didn't go over well at all. And then the whole audience started just chit-chatting while he was talking. People were having conversations, and then he just lost it. He's like, you know what? Fuck you guys. You know why? Because I make money. So screw you all. They're all like, get off the stage. Get the hell out of here. He got so indignant. He just got so mad. And, and then him getting mad at the audience didn't help at all. And it's yeah, funny, I've seen up. him at other times, and he's actually pretty good. I mean, everyone has a rough night. So, I mean, we've all, those of us who've taught seminars, we've all had seminars where things just don't go the way we want to in our mind. Maybe, maybe the audience doesn't necessarily know. They're going, okay, this is fine. 
but by your own performance, you know it's not your A-plus game. Like the words right. just didn't come together or things just felt off. We've all had that happen. I mean, you teach enough workshops, that's going to happen. Exactly. So, I mean, if you're the person that's saying, oh, I've never had that experience, then you probably taught two workshops and probably half of them will fill with your cousins yeah. <laughs> and your, and your mom. <laughs> so poorly calibrated that you don't even know you suck. That's the other problem. It's like you probably yeah. suck every time. You just don't know that. <laughs> Maybe people feel sorry for you, so they're not telling you. But the bottom line is that you're not going to feel perfect at every course, especially when you teach overseas. You have jet lag. You're out of it. You're, you're staying in hotels. You're, you're eating different food that you're not used to, just whatever, the, the multitude of reasons. Things, things just happen. I mean, I've yeah. taught seminars before where you just right be- the night before you develop a really bad case of some gut issue, and now you have to teach the whole course the next day without that you can't, you can't eat, yeah you can't eat anything you can't eat breakfast you haven't had dinner and now you have to suck it up and teach a course. So I mean, this when you're a professional, you'll do it. You'll suck it up and do it because people pay a lot of money to come to our courses. So you can't just say, "Well, sorry guys, my tummy's hurting today." I got the bubble <laughs> guts. <laughs> <laughs> you, just have to, you just have to do it. You just have to take. You just have to take charge of it. But I've had that happen before. Oh, that is the that is the worst. It's like that's oh. happened like recently. I'm and as soon as I got up, I'm like, "Oh, are you serious right now?" And you know, it's like I don't want to sit there in the middle of a workshop and be like, "All right, can you you, know, you guys take a break?" And uh, you know, uh, and then you run to the restroom. But what's <laughs> about that most of these gyms have one restroom right and if you're in there for a while everyone knows what you're doing <laughs> and trust me and what sucks about these workshops is men and women if it's dudes who cares if we bomb the bathroom it's like get over it homeboy but yeah. nothing sucks worse to be in a gym which most of the bathrooms are not the most female friendly restrooms as it is but right. then they go in there and it just smells like death warmed over in there and then they come out and they're looking right at you because you were the last one in there or what sucks even more is that somebody else bombs the bathroom right before you get in there <laughs> and no one saw that person and then you walk in and you go in there you might just go in there and have to wash your face you might be in there for more than five minutes so it just might appear that you're doing more than than taking just dry, you know peeing or whatever then well, you come back out so- Let's just say who we're talking about in this situation, Ken Blackburn. You know, he's notorious <laughs> for destroying That's bathrooms. That's All right, let's just, let's just cut to the chase on who we're referring to here. <laughs> After eating Thai food at a Houston workshop, that's how he earned the name. Well, actually, it was our friend, one of our friends, Jay Simon. He actually earned the name the Houston Rocket because during a <laughs> during a IKFF CKT, you know, we decided to have Thai food at the end of one of the day one of the workshop or whatever, and so. We come back, and Jay is just gone in the middle of the certification for about a good 30 minutes. So and you're kind of looking around like, where's Jay? Where's Jay? I know he's probably going to kill me for bringing this up, but he needs to get over it. <laughs> so anyway, so we're wondering where Jay is, and then just all of a sudden, you know when someone's gone to the restroom and they've had a good drop, drop off? They come back, they're kind of rubbing their stomach and they're smiling. So it's kind of like an ice cube there <laughs> coming back, feeling about 10 pounds lighter. Yeah, that was Jay. <laughs> so that's why you're that's why you're in the name, the Houston Rocket, but best believe no one went to that restroom for about a good hour or so after that. So you never want to be that guy. <laughs> now, and here, here's some advice for people that are that person. Probiotics, digestive enzymes, hydrochloric acid. Okay, that's, <laughs> the cure. that's the cure-all for digestive tract issues. It's not normal. It's not normal to be thinking up a storm like that. It's not healthy. Yeah. Nothing normal about it. All right? So if you're that person, you have gut issues. So, I mean, get some probiotics. Digestive enzymes before every meal. Get some hydrochloric acid in with protein meals. Load up on some veggies, greens, juicing greens, so you load up on natural enzymes, things like that. Time, time to eliminate food sensitivities, allergies. Time to overhaul your diet because on my flight back from London just a couple of days ago, 
and I'm in premium economy, okay? It's nice and comfortable there. You're relaxing, having a good flight home, watching a few movies. But there was a serial silent farter somewhere in the cabin. Oh, now, I don't dude. know if it was right in front of me because if I knew for sure it were right in front of me, I would have smacked that guy's head. Oh, I have a story for you. <laughs> on that one. I don't know if it was the guy to the left. I don't know who it was. But every 30 minutes, it smelled like a dog ran in the room and dropped off a load, okay? So, look, if you're flying with a bunch of other people, have the courtesy to go to the bathroom and take care of that. Let me have tell a, you. Have, have a healthy meal before you get on the flight. How about that? How about, how about taking some probiotics and digestive enzymes? Because it's not just your own health that's a problem. Now, now, it's, now it's like smoking next to somebody, okay? We're breathing that stuff in. It's <laughs> secondhand funk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that secondhand ripping is not healthy for anyone around you. There's nothing remotely cool about that. Right? Now, let me tell you, man. Um, like when my wife and I, we were like first dating, and we were taking a trip over to Europe. We were taking a trip over to Paris and, and, and Rome for a week. So we get on the plane, leaving from Houston. And, okay, I end up, my wife ends up in the sucker seat, the middle seat. And, you know, I'm in there in the window. So there's a lady right next to her. Let me tell you, from takeoff from Houston, pretty much over Saskatchewan, okay, <laughs> this lady was farting and farting and farting. She was just like going back to back to back to back, but she would never look around. She just kept looking ahead and acting as if nothing was wrong. Now, let me tell you, <laughs> I said something the entire time and she would just act like nothing. So she would just kept squeezing out these quiet ones. And my wife was like, oh, my, oh God, and covering her mouth. And I'm over by the window. So I'm trapped. <laughs> so I would look like, and I, I moved my wife back and I looked over to the, I leaned and looked at her and said, are you fucking kidding me <laughs> are you serious <laughs> are you seriously going to keep farting and not look or say excuse me she would not even ch- she wouldn't even look any direction she's kept looking ahead i'm like are you serious <laughs> so <laughs> she did this like i said for a good man a good six hours straight and then then it's like oh my, it got to the point where i was like please get up and go to the restroom you're killing me right now i'm getting nauseous and my wife is like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're saying this. And she's not saying anything. I said, I can't believe she's listening to us talk about her next to her, and she's not doing anything. So eventually she gets up. She goes to the restroom. She comes back. And then she's just being nice and trying to have a casual conversation with my wife like the other six hours never happened. <laughs> so, Unbelievable. I'm like, I'm like yeah, are, are to you me serious? It's amazing. It's amazing yeah, when like, people are that rude. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, we, we, we're kind of we're kind of joking about this stuff, but when you're in it, it's, there's nothing funny about it <laughs> no, at all, not, whatsoever. Not, okay. Trust me. The it's like, look, it's like it's like you taught a seminar, and sometimes you don't have time to take a shower, right? You got to catch your flight. But I'll always try to wash up as much as possible, put some deodorant on, stuff like that. So when I don't get up, so I'm not going to be that guy who gets on the plane and all of a sudden everything stops and everyone turns in your direction. Okay, exactly. you do you do the best you can, but the the reality is when that's you, you're not a healthy person. You, that's not that's not that's not the sign of a healthy person. If you can rip on command, <laughs> with where it's an <laughs> involuntary response, you're not healthy. It's time to get rid of food sensitivities in the diet. Time to get some digestive enzymes, probiotics, hydrochloric acid. I'm going to say it a million times because a lot of people out there have gut health issues, and they don't even realize it. They just think it's normal to be like that each day. And I'll tell you what. If you have gut health issues, you can forget about any fitness goal you're trying to achieve, whether it's putting on muscle, losing fat, getting stronger, because you're not absorbing optimal nutrition from the food you're eating. You're just basically wasting energy. You're taking food. You're getting very little nutrition from it. And then the rest is just going to go to store body fat and upset your gut, cause more inflammation, et cetera. So, I mean, this is where you everything get starts in. with your gut health. 
Yeah. And this is where people are always asking you, like, man, I work out really hard, man. I keep training, but what can I do about this gut? Okay, it's, it's not necessarily your training that's a problem. And I eat pretty healthy, which that, that is always laughable to me. I'm like, what does that even mean? Yeah, so if you have but a gut, is, you're not eating healthy. It's as simple as that. <laughs> there it go. is. People are always like, yeah, you know, I have everything dialed in. It's like, no, you don't. If you had everything dialed in, you wouldn't be in that place. You're dialing the wrong number. Just <laughs> because you have, yeah, Domino's Pizza dialed in on your cell phone. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about here. So, I mean, it kind of goes back to what the whole concept of the show is. You kind of have to accept reality, not be in denial, and then take charge of that. Take responsibility for right. it. Because there's, there's too much of relinquishing responsibility where it's everyone else's fault but your own. And the more you can basically say to yourself, whatever is happening is your fault, which is kind of harsh. It's not always your fault, but that's kind of the attitude you want to have is that if this is my fault that I'm in this situation and I'm the only person who's, who's going to have the solution to get out of it. And that's what's going to get you out of it, not being in denial or saying, oh, if only so-and-so helped me or if so-and-so gave me this. It's like, well, this, it's not their job to give you anything. You know, it's your job to take charge. And if you live here, you already won the lottery. You're not in Kenya or Uganda living out in the middle of nowhere where – where you're going to get your water for the day is a, it's a common concern, you know? So just exactly. get, realize how far ahead you already are. Even if you're in the U S and you're, you're in such a low state where you have to resort to living in a homeless shelter, you're still way better off than most people in this world. That's just the right. reality of it is. And I'm not saying I'd want to be in that situation, but you still have a roof over your head and you're someone's giving you food. That's a lot more than a lot of people have. So, I mean, that, that's still a luxury problem, and that's, that's just the harsh reality of it, no doubt. No, here, uh, our biggest problem is, like, okay, when I go to a restaurant, is it filtered waters that are coming out of the tap? You know, and it's funny, <laughs> and my son, my son calls that, yeah, those are um, first-world problems. I said, no, those are third-world problems, because the first world is the places people refer to as the third world. I'm like, you know, when you start talking about Africa, that's first-world problems right there. Okay, right. they were here first. I said, no, we're complaining about third-world problems. We're the last on the totem pole here you know, bitching and complaining about things that just really don't matter. It's just like our biggest problem with water is fluoride. Their biggest problem with water is everything probably but fluoride. <laughs> okay, yeah. so yeah. think about that. It's like, okay, you see a little, you know, white stuff in your water. You see chlorine or whatever. They don't even see anything white in the water. Everything's brown. Get back to me now about your water problem. So we just, you know, it's just, again, just taking the time to actually think about it. Like, it's not as bad as you think it is. Just about yeah. any problem that we can come up with here in the West, it's not as bad as we think it is. No, even being stuck on a plane with a cereal farmer. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> even that's a luxury problem. Hey, it's, exactly. not a, it's not a fun one, but hey. <laughs> that you know, methane gas. I'm complaining that about methane. being in premium economy on a flight back <laughs> from London next to a cereal farmer. So even that is still a luxury problem. And, I, and I'm full aware of it. But hey, you know what? I still have a right to complain about it. And I'm going exactly. to. Okay? That's, just, that's just what it is. <laughs> Yeah, it could be worse, but right now it's pretty damn bad. Okay. Speaking of other things to complain about, I can't believe they're bringing 24 back, the TV show. For those of you not familiar, 24 is a show with Kiefer Sutherland, counter-terrorist concept. It was, the first four seasons of the show were stellar, incredible show. Season five was really good, and they had this really over-the-top ending, and then they never really found their way back till the end of the series, season eight. It actually got canceled because of low ratings in, I think, 2010, and now they're resurrecting the show. They're going to change the title slightly, 24, Live Another Day. It's going to be a 12-episode <laughs> series and, taking, and releasing in the summer of 2014. I've never heard of a show being canceled and then resurrected 
with a slightly different title ever. Have you? Have you ever heard of that? Either? No, and, and you know what's going to suck about that? It's like it's going to open the doors. For, I mean, it's bad enough, and we talked about this before, it's bad enough that Hollywood is so hungry for ideas that they're trying to just bring back all these old movies and do a, a new modern spin on it or whatever. You know, so that already sucks. There's a lack of creativity already with the movie. Right. But now what's going to happen with 24, you know, being resurrected like this, it's going to open the door for people to say, well, well, let's bring back so-and-so now. Let's bring about... Let's bring back Spartacus, the Gannicus Files. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, no, man, just leave it alone. Or it's just like the Sopranos, some of the next generation. <laughs> so you have his son now. He's, he's ahead of the mob now, taking over for his father. Please, just, I really can't see. I mean, it's, it's to the point where, you know, as fans of the show, of the, you know, those, like you said, those first four seasons of 24, it's just going to be interesting. It's kind of like a car wreck. It's like, I know I probably shouldn't look at this, but I just want to see, like, how is this going to play out? Right. And at the same time, yeah, I'm feeding the BS by, you know, watching. But hopefully we'll know after the first episode or two whether we'll continue to feed the BS. And we're like, oh, well, that was shockingly surprising. It's actually better now, which I honestly don't think it will be. <laughs> I don't think it will be. Who knows? It may be surprised. But you know what's really funny is that it's supposed to take place three years after the last season. Now, if you look at the timeline of 24 since the first season, it's like a 20-year span. So Jack Bauer is what? What is he? Sixty-five now, according to the chronological timeline of the show. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, if Bruce Willis can keep coming back with Die Hard movies. Why can't Jack come back three years later? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, how much of a badass can Bruce Willis be at this point? And you know, the same thing with and Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger. They're like, okay, all you guys are like, legally you can retire right now. Legally, you can all get Social Security checks. How much of a badass can you be? At this point, then do I really want this this dude to come in and save me? You know, what if he falls down? He may, he'll need a hip replacement. Okay, so he's take care of me. <laughs> so I, well, I know, agree. Man. I I'm agree. I'm on, the, on the other hand, though, it's kind of cool to see guys like Sylvester Stallone. And then I know he's on the juice. He takes growth hormone testosterone. So, so save Fine. your comments, people. We get it. The we guy, know. The guy, the guy is seventy. Okay, so I mean, if that's the only thing that works at that age, then go for it. Because I I have guys who are seventy who come to me and say. I'm interested in trying your testosterone booster. You think it's going to help? I go, honestly, I don't know. You can give it a shot. If it doesn't work, then I'll give you a refund. But honestly, at your age, you're, you're producing so little testosterone, if any. You know, there's, a, there's always a rare exception to that. Right. But for the most part, you, you have shut down quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So, and then they'll often say, well, I don't want to get on HRT because it will shut down my natural production. It's like, well, you don't have any natural production. Right? There is no natural production. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my testosterone booster works by concentrating cholesterol in the testicles, or improving the signaling hormones from the brain to the testes to produce more testosterone. But you actually have something. You, have, you actually have to have something to work with to start off. So it's right. more of a good product for someone who has, let's say, low normal testosterone who wants to go to high normal as opposed right. to someone who's way below the threshold hasn't had good levels in years and wants to resurrect it. I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying it won't work, but I don't know for sure. And it'll, it'll right. take a lot longer. So don't take it for two weeks and say you're not feeling anything. It's like, well, you probably haven't felt anything in 20 years. Yeah, I was about to say in two decades. So I'm just like, you're comparing yeah. two decades to like two, two weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And just real quick, as a byline on the testosterone booster, I am offering a discount to all the podcast listeners. So you'll get 10% off by using coupon code LLA. Okay, that's the acronym for Live Life Aggressively. It's just L-L-A. Just put that in, no spaces, when you check out, and you'll get 10% off the testosterone booster, my recovery oil, and Exelzyme, a systemic enzyme product I sell. 
I'm actually working on my own Exelzyme product soon, which will be pretty much a similar similar formula as Exelzyme with ginger added. It'll be under my label, so that'll be out in another month or two. Working on a couple other products, but I'd rather just talk about it when it's actually done rather than just talk about something that may take six months to come out with. But there's some really cool things coming on in the pipeline. I had some great courses in the UK. I was in West Midlands and Northampton. Great people. Courses went really well. And I'm going to be heading back to Europe in August to teach in Holland and Germany, doing beginner and advanced courses. So check that out on my website. And also, Sincere, before we get into more topics, what, what do you have coming up? What are you working on right now? Yeah, I know last time we talked on the podcast, um, I, was, I brought up Chicago. And what I did was I went ahead and rescheduled that because um, coming up my birthday weekend in June, uh, which is the weekend of the 7th, 7th, 8th, and 9th, um, the IKFF is having a, a kettlebell competition that weekend. So I just felt like it's a lot smarter to go ahead and do it then. And because right. just about everybody wanted to come to the workshop was also going to be at that competition. So I didn't want to hit them twice, you know, with two, two different things going on within a two-week time span. So that being said, I moved that workshop to um, that the 7th, I'm going to have a master class. So we're going to go over kettlebell technique and even kettlebell sport technique, recovery, mindset, programming. And it's going to be a little bit smaller in, in that class because um, – it's like I said, it's a master class, so it'll really help people with their technique. So I'm really limiting that to about 10 people, um, and pretty much it's already halfway filled. And then that Sunday, we're going to have my body weight seminar then, and the body weight for conditioning and fat loss seminar. So what everybody can do is hop over to my website for more information on that, and just dial in newwarriortraining.com for that. And also for the testosterone booster, hop back over to Mike's site, and that's mikemahler.com. And... There you can find out what else we have going on as far as upcoming workshops and everything else. So, cool. Uh, cool, man. That sounds good. Yeah, and uh, what was the other thing I wanted to talk about? I wanted to make oh, sure we got some of these things out there. Um, oh, man. What? We well, just got a brain. First well, well, brain just, fart. Uh, I'm just, just going to go with what's Since we're talking about, about since farting is the theme of the show, <laughs> we just had a brain fart. Yeah. How about that? Talk more about that. No, it's like uh, I just uh, the thing about a podcast. The key is to go with what comes to your mind rather than just talk about what you think you should talk about. So what, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is we have a pretty interesting UFC card coming up this Saturday, and Dude, you and I I'm are both hyped about this, man. Yeah, I'm man, you and I are both big MMA fans. I know a lot of our listeners are, and you know I'm not a sports journalist, and you aren't, but hey, we're fans, and we can make our predictions and talk about what we think will happen. I think I think with the main event, Cain Velasquez versus Bigfoot Silva. You know, before the Overham fight, I would have said Kane all the way. Now, though, I think it's uh, going to be—I think it's going to be a more competitive fight. I think Bigfoot showed some serious heavy hands against Overham. I yeah. think, honestly, I think Kane will probably pull off a win. I don't, but I don't think it's going to be as decisive as the first time they met. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Bigfoot pulled out a W either. I wouldn't be surprised at all. In fact, yeah. I'm even thinking about betting on that because he's a four-to-one underdog. And I, I don't think it's going to be a fight that just ends in the first round because yeah. Bigfoot's a pretty tough guy. He's way more comfortable fighting in the UFC now. Yeah, and not only does he have a strong chin, he has a pretty big-ass chin. Okay? Yeah, so, big chin, big that dude hands, is like, a lot of power. You want to talk about, you know, Paleolithic caveman. You know, everybody can talk <laughs> about their diets all they want. I actually see the caveman right there when I look at that dude right there. He's like, he reminds me of Jaws from the old 007 movie. Oh, absolutely. Like if they ever do a reboot and they need a character to play Jaws, there's their man right there. <laughs> so he's, definitely, he's, he's definitely one of those guys who create, who produces abnormally 
high levels of growth hormone. Yeah, buddy. Naturally. <laughs> Whether yeah. he's on stuff, who knows, but. You seen those hands? Have you seen his hands? Oh, his hands are huge. They're the biggest hands in the UFC. It's I mean, he, he beat Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar has, a, has some canned hams for hands. To right. the fact they have to like make custom-made gloves for him. But Bigfoot, I mean, no, it should be big hands, Silva. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and big chin and big head and just big dude. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah so but I, think, I agree, I I agree with you. It won't be an easy fight. It won't be an easy fight. I think this is going to really come down. I, I believe it will go all five rounds because even if Kane uses his wrestling – I'm sorry, Bigfoot is a big dude. You're not just going to get down there and grind and manhandle him like, you know, he could do everyone else. So, right. and don't sleep on Bigfoot's, you know, jiu-jitsu skills either. Right. So, that's, that's, don't. And ask Fedor, man. Okay? You yeah. know, ask, you know, everybody thought that Fedor was going to walk right through him too. That didn't happen. So, I, I think what people don't really count is, is Bigfoot Silva's heart. You know, and that's the one thing they always count out. Before, they would count him out because, yeah, he was in strike force. And, you know, it's not like he's in the UFC, and it's different when you get over here. Okay, now that talk is done. Okay, that talk is done. Now, like I said, don't count out his heart. And that's, I think that's what Overeem, that's where he made a mistake. Overeem was so, he's just too damn cocky. And you can see it in his Absolutely. face. After those first two yeah. rounds, he's smiling, he's grinning. He walked in with his little swagger and all that. I'm like, when, he, when he's walking out, I'm like, dude, you might want to change your pace up a little bit. Um, this is not like some little rookie they're throwing out there just to kind of, you know, get his feet wet. Or it's not like a, a smoker like in like WWE where they have like the scabs fighting, you know, the, just to kind of, you know, make the other guy look good as you try to build him up. No, right. dude, this dude is the real deal, and he's been doing this for a long time. You've got to respect this guy. And also look at the people he trains with. I'm like, come on, dude. Are, are you really that stupid? That's not even arrogance at that point. And he had a wake-up call. Yeah, I mean, he was fighting with his hands down the whole fight. Overeem. I'm like, seriously? <laughs> and Silva fought a very smart fight. He goes, let's let Overeem wear himself out in the first two yeah. rounds, and then third, I'm going to take over. So it was kind of a risky move to make because you might get finished in those first two rounds. But like you said, Silva's a tough guy. So he just weathered the storm, which wasn't a huge storm, out, by the way. Yeah. But he just weathered it. Third round, Overeem was breathing heavy. His head movement wasn't there. Silva smelled blood, and he went for it. He yes, just he did. took it. He just went for it. And it kind of reminds me of Vitor Belfort's latest fight. I mean, he oh, Vitor, did you, see, did you see? Luke that, Rockhold. That was, that was an incredible kick. Oh my that God. spinning back kick, that was incredible. And Vitor is looking awesome. I really want to see him fight Anderson Silva again because just like – I think it will be a different fight this time around. Absolutely. Just like Bigfoot versus Kane going to be different, that's going to be yeah. a different fight too. What I'm loving about Vitor, here is a guy that as he's getting older, he's getting better. Because oh, now, what's, what's good, okay, he started out very young, but then he had a glitch right there midway through his career, you know, with the whole situation, the tragedy of his sister. So right. I'm really thinking now, you, you have a Vitor who's now, he's gotten past those demons. He's gotten past, you know, the, the guilt and the things that he felt, you know, when things happened to his sister. You know, and so I think now he can really focus on being the best fighter he can be without any other distractions going on, without life really pulling at him and pulling his emotional cards and everything like that. And you yeah. can just hear it in his voice. He's hungry. He sounds like a young fighter when you talk to him. Even when he was getting ready to fight John Jones, it was a different, he, it was, he was a different Vitor then. He was a, and even when he said, like, you know, this is just a fight between the old line and fighting the young line and trying to see, you know, who's, who's the best. But even with that, he, he woke John Jones up. He took John Jones to another level, and that fight was awesome for John Jones because it made him mature. He yeah. realized that you're not invincible. Yes, you won the fight, 
but you paid the price this time. You didn't just walk through this guy. This guy almost broke your arm. Right. Okay, so now you have to really go back and think like, okay, I can't underestimate anyone. Anything can happen in this sport. Yeah, naturally they say that. They think that, and they know that like, anything can happen. But when it's made a reality, when you think like, I would have never imagined that this dude, this old dude who's 36 years old, was about to break my arm. I mean, I'm honestly, in my mind, I think I'm the pound for pound best fighter in the world right now. <laughs> so you, you got to understand, like, right. there's, it's a new Vitor, and I love, I mean, dude, that, was, that, that knockout was awesome. Yeah, it sucks for Luke. I like Luke Rockhold. I really do. But, you know, he'll have, he'll have more fights. He, they're not going to drop him anytime soon. He's an exciting fighter. And, you know, he'll, he'll come back. But this was excellent. I really think next round, whoever wins out of Anderson and Weidman, man, Vitor has to have them next, and that's going to be a very exciting fight. I actually, I'm kind of hoping, yeah, Chris Weidman's young enough. I think he can get another shot. I really want to see an Anderson-Vitor fight again in Brazil because Brazil yeah, brings, be out, that brings out the best in both of them, and I think that will be very exciting for the Brazilian people as well, man. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree completely. What's interesting about Vitor is that he is from the old UFC. He's been fighting since he was 19. He's yeah. only about 33, 34 36. now, but he's been, yeah, 36, okay, 36. So, but he's been fighting since he was 19. The fact that he's even still fighting is incredible. The fact that he's actually fighting at an even higher level is even more incredible. So it's, it's, it's unreal. And then a lot of people will say, oh, he's on HRT. Look, folks, HRT is only going to do so much, okay? It's not going to make your spinning back kick better. It's not going to improve <laughs> something you just learned kick. and something you just does, learned how to do. Does it help? Of course it helps. Having high testosterone levels when you're training three times a day and pushing yourself hard, of course taking something that helps keep your testosterone high is going to help. There's no doubt about it. But that doesn't mean that average gym rat can take HRT and be a good fighter now, all right? <laughs> It's not as simple as that. So, yeah, no. this stuff gives him an edge, no question. And we can debate the, the morality of that all day long. But the point is that it, taking HRT doesn't make a great fighter. It makes no. a great fighter maybe greater or better, no doubt about that. It definitely gives you a performance edge. But it's not going to take you from zero to hero. You're not going to be some guy <laughs> who never hit the ball before in baseball, and then all of a sudden you're hitting home runs now because you're taking GH and, H and, and testosterone therapy. So, I mean, that'll be an interesting topic for a show. Maybe we'll get some experts on down the road, and we can kind of debate that topic a little bit, kind of go on through both sides of it. Yeah. But, uh, well, what do you think about um, Dos Santos and Mark Hunt? Oh, that looks awesome. And, you know, I think people are really overlooking Mark Hunt. They don't realize who this guy is. I mean, he was a K-1 grand champion. K-1 is brutal for yeah. stand-up, brutal. So, I mean, if you excel at K-1, you have serious stand-up ability. Now, Dos Santos is an awesome striker, but he's an awesome striker for UFC standards. Exactly. He's not, he's, See, he's not an awesome understand. striker for K1. K1, K1 standards. Dos Santos goes to K1, he's going to get his butt kicked. And now, you know, really... coming to the UFC, he initially got his butt kicked, but now he's yeah. developed where he's got a pretty good ground defense. His striking is incredible. I mean, anyone, I'm looking at the odds for that fight, and Dos Santos is a 4-1 to one favorite, which I think is way that's, too big a stretch. much. Yeah. I would definitely give the edge overall slightly to Dos Santos, but I would, not, I would not look past or count out Mark Hunt at all. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if there's two big upsets this weekend, Mark Hunt winning and Bigfoot Silva winning. Bigfoot I wouldn't Silva. be surprised. And you know, it, here's the respect that, you know, even Bigfoot Silva, when um, they were showing the countdown to UFC 160, even Bigfoot said in his interview, he's like, hey, I knocked out the K1 champion. You can't, you know, it's like that made me feel really good. I don't see even 
at that level, they still respect, <laughs> you know, what these guys have done in K1. Sure. So, you know, so Bigfoot is like, okay, I knocked out Overeem, who was the K1 champ. So, yeah, baby, I'm the real deal. So, with that being said, Dos Santos pretty much needs to think the exact same thing. And not saying that Dos Santos is shortchanging Mark Hunt, because Dos Santos is no idiot. You know, so I, I think that's another good matchup right there. And it could be a stand-up war, but it could be the point where Dos Santos might actually be smart and go back to pull other tools out of his toolbox with his ground game and pull out his jiu-jitsu, which a lot of people don't know about, but it's, it's off the hook. <laughs> yeah, I think he's going to have to use that a lot more, I think. But, and previously, he's gotten away with just being a better stand-up artist than anyone he's fought. I don't think he has the edge now in the stand-up department, so he's going to have to use more tricks in his bag. But like you said, he's a smart guy. He's not an idiot. He's not going to walk right. in there unprepared. Honestly, I was really impressed with his loss against Cain Velasquez. And the reason why yeah. I say that is because he got hit hard. I yes, mean, he got hit with times. a bomb. Yeah, and then the <laughs> fact that he even the fact that he was even in the game competing all five rounds, Kane couldn't finish him. He yeah. couldn't finish him. Kane won, just, no doubt. But Dos those Santos weren't baby licks. I mean, those were bombs being thrown. Oh, so don't, yeah. don't, don't, don't think that though he wasn't hitting him that hard. He's like, no. You can see his head shaking and rattling or whatever, and this dude was not going down. Yeah, look at I don't know, man. After the fight. I mean, he oh, looked God. like he a looked, wolf, dude, man. He, he, was he looked like he got beat in the back alley with some pipes. Okay. Now, apparently his creatinine levels were really high, yeah, which often really happens high. when you're really overtrained. Yeah. So it, he wasn't using that as an excuse for his loss against Kane, but he realized that he needs to make a mid-course correction for his next fight. Now he's taking charge of that. And that's just an example of a smart fighter. You learn from your mistakes, you take charge of things, and you move forward. So, I mean, there's a, there's a life lesson to learn there. Instead of complaining and whining, he yeah. realized what went wrong, went back to the drawing board, and now he's going to come back in, I think, an even better fighter. I, I would love to see a rematch between Dos Santos and Kane at some point. I think... I think I think either guy could win that. That's what makes it exciting is that either guy can definitely win. Rubber match. <laughs> yeah. But the fact that people people kind of crack me up because when Dos Santos won, they're like, oh, Kane's finished. He's all washed out. Why? He got caught. People get caught all the time. doesn't mean that Kane is a bad fighter. He just got caught. <laughs> any, any fighter can get caught at any point. So what did Kane do? He went back to the drawing board. He came back hard, destroyed Bigfoot Silva, made a great statement, and came in hungry and got the title back. Sometimes so that's Dos, what you Dos need. Dos you need that hunger, man. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Dos John Dos Fitch. <laughs> you know, I, Fitch, I just, right before oh, that, he had that same hunger. You know, John Fitch had that hunger because he was to that point, he knew, like, if I lose another fight, I lose my job. My family's starving. I've been broke for about 19 months. I got to go in and get this done. I got to finish a fight for once in my life, or at least I got to put on a good performance. He did that. Now, the next fight didn't happen because I guess that hunger wasn't there anymore. Right. So one thing about it, when you have hunger on your side, like, Again, a lot of times it comes down to who wants it the most. Yet I don't care who you are. Some, you can't crap on the guy that's hungrier than you. So every time you train, you've got to think about that. And I'm not just talking about fighters. Even, if you're, even for people in my world in kettlebell sport, right. you know, yeah, naturally we say, yeah, you're not competing against anybody on that platform. You're competing against yourself. Okay, so how hungry are you? What, do you? what are your goals? What are you really trying to do? Are you just doing it for the fun of it? If that's the case, hey, that's cool. There's no, there's no problem with that. But if you have a specific goal, if you're someone like our friend Donica Storino, who's like, okay, I got Master Sports, and I got Master Sport International class, then what's next? Okay, I'm running out of titles I can snatch up here, so let me go for the world, the world record. So she, she gets the, the North American record. She gets the world record. So it's just you, she's hungry. She's hungry. She's, Mitch, same thing. Cool thing about Mitch Blackburn, here's a guy who's like 19, 20 years old. 
he's still he's, he's kind of like the veto of Belfort of kettlebell sport right, right now. Right, right. You know, there, people don't understand the things he's right now. He's the youngest North American master of sport, and when that, what that means is at his age, here's a guy at his weight, which I I don't remember how much Mitch weighs, but most of the time he's pretty much lifting twice his weight with those kettlebells. Yeah, or pretty damn close to that. You know, with yeah. two. Two thirty-two kilogram kettlebells, which is one hundred and forty pounds, right there, total. Okay, so he's doing that for ten minutes straight of doing, you know, cleaning jerks with that, pretty much almost twice, you know, almost his body weight. Right. So he's doing that, and he's pretty much he's rivaling that of champ, Russian champions who have been doing this sport for a good ten, fifteen years, and they're masters of sports, and and, and he's right up there with them, but he's only nineteen, so he hasn't even touched the peak anywhere near the peak of his potential right now so it's just do you understand like he can be a beast <laughs> he can be a beast if he stays focusing on the path that he's on right now especially with the coaching and training that he's getting from his dad getting from our friend ken who we rag you know we rag on ken but one thing we can say about ken blackburn he's a damn good coach and an even better father okay because he's not the agree, soccer, yeah, he's, not, he's not the soccer dad is always screaming and if mitch has a bad day he's all disappointed and he's he's trying to vicariously live his life through mitch you know, that's, that's, he's not that guy. He's not right. that dad. And I think that's one of the reasons why Mitch has, has attained so much success is because Ken lets him be, lets Mitch be Mitch and finds his own way and not try to, like, impose his will and his, his you know, the things that he may have wanted to achieve upon him, which so many parents do. And I actually not see true. it in this. I see it even in kettlebell sport. I, you know, I see parents. You know, with their kids, and you know, there's some that are cheering them on, just happy the kids on that platform because it's fun. It should be fun for them. It's not like you're going to get a big Nike deal from doing kettlebell sport right now. Right. Okay, so <laughs> it's not like, you know, the kid in Pop Warner football and you're thinking 20 years down the line, this guy could be in the NFL. No, it's kettlebell sport. It's kettlebells. It's a cannonball with a handle on it. It's okay, so calm down. But then I see some who just like, nothing makes them happy. But be happy your child is healthy enough to even compete and do these things because. There are other kids sitting on their ass playing, you know, three, you know, Xbox 360, and every five minutes they're trying to figure out, like, okay, what are we going to do next? I'm bored. I'm bored whenever they go outside. <laughs> so, yeah, no, man. That's true. I agree. You know, Ken's a great guy. He's a great instructor, a great father. You know, what's funny is I was watching they, – they, both Ken and Mitch did some really good instructive clips for on it. You can find it on YouTube. Really good training tips and some sample workouts and things like that, too. So I would definitely check that out. But what's funny is I was watching one of the clips – where Ken is talking Mitch through some different exercises. So Mitch is demonstrating presses and snatches, cleans, et cetera, and Ken's basically talking about what he's doing. And in the comments section, some jack-off, of course anonymous, basically says, terrible form. Terrible form, huh? Master of sport, terrible form. So one of the best kettlebell lifters in the country has terrible form. You know, this is the idiocy that we see in our business where – Someone doesn't even know what good form is when they see it. They have no yeah. idea. So, I mean, it's like you have to be educated. You actually have to know what you're talking about to judge whether somebody has good form or not. It's kind of like when I talk about my hormone optimization stuff, if I talk to a stranger, often they'll respond and say, wow, you, you, know, you really know what you're talking about. Now, the reality is, yes, I do, but how do they know that? <laughs> you know, they don't know <laughs> yeah. that. You, know, you actually have to know enough to know whether someone knows what they're talking about or not. Right. And so we, we see this level of, of just – Basically, frankly, what it is is just jealousy. You know, you're seeing someone achieving something that you don't have the balls to go out and do yourself. So what do you do? You just try to knock them down. 
Yeah, oh, jealousy or, or is ignorant. Or, or, or is oh, ignorant. Oh, she's 19. It's easy for him. It's like it's not easy oh. for anybody. And <laughs> what is that doing to help improve you? So there's nothing that I hate more than people who try to put down other people's accomplishments to make them feel better about being a loser. You know, that's the worst kind of loser there is. There's some people that are losers who are just like, you know what, I'm a loser, and they, they kind of admire people that are successful. They don't try to take them down. And then there's, that, then there's the real loser who not only do they not want to do anything useful with their life, they want to make sure no one else does either or do their part to block that. And, and such people, if you have anyone like that in your life, it's time to cut clean immediately. You can't go anywhere. You know, we were talking about Vitor Belfort. Well, his personal life is so much better now from what I can ascertain. He's got a good wife. He's got his kids. He's got a stable home environment. Yeah. A lot of times when he was losing fights, he had a lot of emotional problems. He had relationship problems. As you yeah. said, his, his sister was kidnapped at one point. So, of course, you're not going to be performing at your best when you have all these things. And it's just like with fitness goals, too. A lot of times you're not losing the fat or you're not putting on the muscle or you're not getting stronger. A lot of times it's because you have so much stress in your personal life. Maybe you're in a relationship you can't stand. Maybe you have a job you can't, you hate. Maybe you just have just different emotional, unresolved emotional issues. And it sounds a little Dr. Philly and hokey, but the reality is there's a lot of truth to these things where you're not going to have your best performance when you have that internal turmoil going on. Yeah, yeah, but on the flip side, when you balance mind. all those, yeah, when you, when you, when you dial everything out in and you, when you get rid of all the unnecessary negatives and you, and then you have less, energy being wasted having to deal with those kind of things. It's like a lot of people in our business, they don't want to streamline things and make it efficient because they like having problems with their business because it makes them feel like they're useful. It's like, oh, I got a problem. I got to deal with this. I got to call people, 50 people back. Some people back. like to complain, dude. Some people, exactly. they, they thrive exactly. off bitching. If they're not bitching, they think that something's wrong. They need to complain. And it's, even people who don't have business, some people need to, like, create business. And I'm not talking about, like, a business as far as financial, but even just being in other people's business because they need something to yeah. complain about. They have to be miserable. They'd rather work at a job that sucks so they can go bitch about it at the bar with their friends every freaking day. You know, right. so and then it becomes this bitch that's like, oh. I hate my job. If one more, uh, that MF say one more thing to me, I swear to God, tomorrow when I go to work, I'm going to punch them. And they're not going to do a damn thing. What they, all they're going to do is just punch the clock in and be, the, and be a sheep again, <laughs> you know, and just graze along with the rest of them. Because honestly, if it was really that terrible, really that bad, you would really start making moves to do something that made you feel exactly. better. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go out and start your own business. No, that would mean that you would actually start looking for a job somewhere. Why would you want to stay somewhere where you're miserable? Even in a relationship, not just one that you, an intimate relationship with, you know, like a significant other or insignificant other, but even with friendships or a lack of. If there's somebody just, all they do is just bleed you dry of energy, why are you sticking around them? If it's to the point where they can't even, you can't even tell the truth, you've got to watch what you say around them and walk on eggshells because you don't want to offend them, I have to tell you that is not a friend. Here's the deal. It's like I have no problems. My friends will let me know. If I'm doing something stupid, they're going to let me know. You're going to let me know. Ken's going to let me know. Steve's going to let me know. And guess what? I'm going to value that because if you guys see that, then obviously I must be really out there doing something, okay, really dumb, you know, for you guys to call me on it. But you know what? You're my boys, and that's, that's a requirement to be my boy. If I'm effing up, let me know. If you're effing up, I'm going to be like, eh, you don't know, man. I don't know, Mike. I don't agree with that, and here's why. Yeah. You know, don't be the asshole that's like, oh, that's messed up. Oh, that, that's stupid. Okay, can you tell me why? Well, it's just stupid. Mm, okay, 
your opinion is not valued. Okay, because right now, you know, like you know, when this, you it's like when you had those two business ideas, you had the kettlebell condom and the kettlebell dildo <laughs> ideas. You know, we <laughs> we made a point of telling you that. Nah, I don't think that's the best for your brand, man. It might, might, might take the whole new warrior to direction you don't really want to go <laughs> Like butt warriors after that. No, it's true, man. It's like, yeah, you don't, want to, you don't want a bunch of yes men around you, but at the same time, you don't want people who just shoot down everything you have to say. So like, anytime you have an idea, oh, that's not going to work. And that's, yeah. It's always funny when someone will come to me and say, I don't, I don't think that's going to work. It's like, well, you don't know what I'm capable of or what I'm going to do. So if, if you, get, you don't think it's going to work, give me some concrete reasons why. Don't just tell me that you don't think I'm capable of doing this because you don't know what I'm capable of. And it's so funny because you, you want constructive criticism. You like, and they're like, they, they'll offer their opinion, but they don't have anything to base it on. So I'm like, that's not constructive criticism. That's just you just being an ass. Okay. So you're, can you really base it off? And why, why won't that work? Even if, if I respect you enough to even ask you why, most of the time when people offer an opinion, I'm like, okay, that's how you feel. Because really, I don't care. <laughs> but if it's someone that like, I value in my life, then I'm like, oh, why not, man? What do you think? What's wrong with that? And who knows? They may, they may shed some light on a part that I'm not seeing because I'm so attached to you know, the actual thing that's happening at that time. So, right. But that's what happens. Friends will give you constructive criticism. And just everyone else, just wants to, they just want to have something to say because they – don't have anything to say about their own lives. They put their lives in the hands of other people, let other people control their thoughts, their outcomes, and so forth. And it's not the other people's fault. It's just like these people have chosen to give away their life, their dreams, and whatever else. And so now, in order to deflect and not have to admit that they're doing that, they want to try to do the same thing to you. But I'm not trying to hear you, dude. I'm just like, look, just because you got insecurities in your life, you know, your insecurities are not my business. So don't, don't project them on me. I could care less. Okay, and a lot of times, who are you to even offer an opinion? What do you do? Especially if you're not even right. qualified. Like, what do you do? You work at the gas station. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to yeah. tell me about kettlebell training. Okay. Like, okay, look, man, when I need to learn how to really pump my gas a little faster <laughs> and more efficiently, yeah. then I'll get back to you. If you can honestly <laughs> prove to me that using a cell phone while, I, you know, while I'm pumping gas in my car can cause an explosion, then I'll get back to you for your expertise. But right now, you know, know your role, stay in your lane. Okay. Yeah, it really comes. That's exactly right. And then the thing also is, is if you're really excited about making something happen, then who cares whether what I say about it? Because people will right. come to me often and say, what do you think of this video idea? And I'll give my honest opinion. I'll say, look, looking at the landscape the way it is right now, I don't see that as something that has an audience. That doesn't mean that I think that it's a bad idea. I'm just saying that I don't know how marketable it is. But if right. you think otherwise and you feel strongly, you know what, I'm really passionate about this, and I, I want to get it out there because I, I just think it's useful material, then go do it. Who the hell cares what I think? You, know, right. you, 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 you may know it better. I'm going to give you my honest opinion, but at, at the end of the day, you have to decide whether – it's you, you have the fire to make something happen because what you have to realize with whatever you're going to try to make happen, whether it's making your own nutrition supplement line or making a video or promoting a workshop, it's hard work. It's very, very hard work. And when I, when I promote a successful workshop, it's several months planned in advance. There's a lot of steps that I do each time to make sure it works. And, a lot, and sometimes it doesn't even work. You know, we've all had to cancel courses for whatever reasons. Right. But the, the key is I like teaching workshops. So it's, it's not I'm prepared to do the work because I want to get in front of people and teach. I want to make the most money I can doing it. You know, I'm not going to fly to London for three people. But at the same time, I, I enjoy getting in front of people teaching. 
So I learned the business side of things to make sure that I also make a great living doing what I do. And the problem with a lot of people in our business is that they don't want to learn the business. They just right. think that well, I love what I do, so that's enough to build a business. It's a good start, but you also have to learn how to market things properly, how to set things up, how to deliver the information in a way that other people are receptive to it. So it's, it's not just going to be automatic because you're passionate about it. Now, passion is not enough for success. You actually have to be prepared to develop a smart strategy. Now, the reality is, is if you're really passionate about it, you're, you're going to do those things. Those are things you're going to want to learn every facet of how to be successful with whatever you're trying to do. Yeah. You know, who wants to go through all the trouble of developing a nutrition supplement and then you have no idea how to get it out there? That's stupid because it's a lot of money and it's a lot of time. So you better know exactly how you're going to get it out there before you even get started. That should be, that should be obvious to you. Like this is, yeah. These are the steps I'm going to use to promote it. Otherwise, yeah. don't bother. And that, that kind of goes with everything, anything you want to do. And this, yeah. There's basically a component of mental toughness with achieving any goal because it's perseverance and being able to last long enough to get successful. A lot of people just burn out too soon. They can't stay in the game long enough. If they could have just stuck around a little bit longer, they would have succeeded. But they give up right before they're about to succeed because they, they haven't trained themselves to push themselves mentally and physically. And that's kind of one of the other things I wanted to talk about today is the importance of mental toughness training in your regimen. Because yeah, it's, it's one thing when you go work out and you make sure that you had a perfect night of sleep the night before, you had a perfect meal two hours ahead of time, you had a perfect pre-workout supplement regimen, everything is perfect, you went in the gym, you hit a PR. Hey, that's all fine and good. I love when that stuff happens. And unfortunately, it happens quite a bit because, again, I've addressed a lot of stresses in my life, so I can, I can make sure my sleep is optimal and my workouts are good. But the problem with always training that way is you never really know how deep you can dig when things are tough, when, thing, when you're not feeling good. Let's say like what we were talking about earlier where you have serious gut distress right before a seminar. Well, mm -hmm. <laughs> If, you're, if you don't have a certain level of mental toughness, you're going to cave. You're going to panic when something like that happens. You're going to go, how am I going to get through an eight-hour course teaching when I haven't, had anything, I, haven't had, I haven't had anything to eat in 24 hours because I can't hold anything down? You're going to freak out. Right. Now, if you're, if you're used to training yourself in a tough manner, you're not going to cave so easily when that happens. You're going to say, you know what? This sucks, what's happening right now. But I've got a, I have a job to do, and I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go make it happen. So I think mental toughness training should be a component of everyone's workout regimen. It can either be maybe one workout a week or maybe you go through a phase. And an example of mental toughness training that I like is where I purposely do some exercises that cause fatigue at the beginning of a workout. So maybe it's a lot of sets of box jumps or Hindu squats or Hindu push-ups or going sprinting. And then I go into a heavy workout, such as heavy deadlifts, heavy overhead presses. So now I'm in a compromised state. I'm not coming in fresh. I'm purposely fatigued. And the first couple of times you do this, if you've never trained like this before, it, it really sucks. I mean, everything feels heavy. You just, you're, you're pushing on, on sure mental will. But after a while of training this way, something really interesting happens. You find that you can perform at an extremely high level in a fatigued state to the point where you almost like that fatigue because it allows you to just dial things in. Because when you're fatigued and you're tired, now you really have to focus on what you're doing. Can't chit-chat with someone at the gym. Can't check out the girl's ass on the treadmill. Well, I take that one back. You can always do that. <laughs> but, but you have to focus on what you're doing here because you're really tired. You're really, so it kind of dials in your focus. So, I mean, it, it, it also leads to a certain level of confidence 
because now you know that you can perform at a high level when things don't go right. So when you have those workshops or whatever the event is in your life, you're not going to just cave and go, oh, man, I, I didn't get my pre-workout meal in today. It's going to be a crappy workout or I, I ran out of creatine. It's going to be a crappy workout. Yeah, try to make your workouts ideal most of the time because that's how you make the best progress. But every once in a while, it's good to purposely throw in some mental toughness techniques which compromise the older system. So you, now you really have to dig deep. Yeah, so I mean, I was talking about mental toughness training. We had a, a little technical glitch there, so I'll just reiterate some of the things. I go, what, what I like about mental toughness training where you purposely go into a workout in a compromised state, meaning that maybe you do some fatigue exercises at the very beginning, Hindu squats or push-ups or kettlebell swings, so that now when you go to a heavy deadlift or a heavy overhead press, you're actually in a fatigue state. It allows you to dial in your focus where you have to concentrate on exactly what you're doing and be efficient because you're tired. So sometimes when you teach a workshop, when you're in that fatigue state where you, you don't feel good for whatever reason, you often find that your instruction is way more precise because you don't want to waste any energy now. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's good for developing your mental toughness, your fortitude. So whenever you, whatever goal you're trying to achieve, you're not going to cave as easily. And that to me is the most beneficial aspect of physical training is that you learn a lot about yourself. What do you do when things get hard? What do you yeah. do when you feel like crap? Are you just going to give up? Because if you give up there, you're probably going to give up the same way in your personal life. If you push through when things aren't easy, then you're probably not going to, you're probably going to do the same thing in your personal life, whether it's building a business. The point is, is that you're not afraid of pain. You're not, afraid, you're not afraid of struggle. Those are some of the best benefits you can get from physical training. So I, I like to throw in these kind of mental toughness workouts. Sometimes I'll go through a phase where like four or five weeks of it. Sometimes it's once a week. Now you just throw it in the mix every once in a while. Most of the times I want my workouts to be perfect so I can make the best progress possible. But every once in a while, it's a good idea to shake it up a little bit, maybe go a little bit longer Maybe go into a workout in a semi-fasted state. Maybe go into a workout where you just did 10 sprints. Now you're fatigued. Now, one thing I want to preface, obviously, is that this is not for beginners. This is not for people who just started training or don't have proper technique yet. These, these are advanced yeah. training techniques. So it's something yeah, where... I was just about to I was just about to bring it up, especially when you brought up the fasted technique. We've talked about this yeah. before. Like, um, one of the things I like to do is what I call jump-off training. And I've told you that before. It's kind of like, what would you do? What would you do if ish hits the fan right now okay what would you do right now so to be prepared would you oh man okay let's just say oh who knows there's a storm coming up and it's coming right at your house you need to get up and run well before i run let me make sure i get a five minute warm-up okay uh let me go ahead and get my blood flow going before i sit there and I have to go lift this car off someone or something like that so we i sometimes we often get into these these regimented rules of training we were thinking like okay got to have a proper warm-up, which what the hell does that even mean? You know, to the most point, like, yeah, start off with a proper warm-up, 5, 10, 15 minutes, and make sure you stretch, and then you have to do this, then you do just this much as far as your main workout, and then you got to do your Metcon, and then you have to do this. Oh, my God. Okay. Yes, there's times to have structure in your training, but let's, let's try to every now and then throw in the mix, and just like Mike said, this is not for the beginner the things I'm about to talk about, you know, definitely a little bit more for the advanced here, but let's throw in when there's life outside the gym. Some people get so caught up in having such a gym lifestyle. They think everything revolves around the gym, right? And everything right. outside the gym, they think everything still has to be that way. Everything's life is all about a certain amount of reps for a certain amount of sets and then blah, 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 blah. And it starts to trickle over into other things they do in life to the fact that they're not flexible. They're not, you know, they're not 
able to adapt when things change up. So let's just say Monday for most people, if they go to the gym, you know, that's chest day. You know, everybody's looking for the bench. But then you get to guess what? Half of the gym that shows up that day has the same mindset as you had, and now everybody's waiting for a time to get on the, on the bench and do bench. So what are you going to do? You're going to sit there and wait your turn and lose valuable time training, or are you going to get over there and get on the floor and do some floor presses? Or, you know, why not do some plyo push-ups or something like that? Oh, but it's not bench. But you know what? It may have been that time where you need to do something other than just bench press so you can work other muscles and other muscle fibers on your body and actually to help give you some gains. But most important, what I'm trying to get at here, every now and then, why not throw in the mix? One thing I love to do is, like, not warm up at all. Not warm up at all. And it takes a certain mentality to do that, when you, especially if you're going to lift something heavy. You know, of course, everyone with the conventional training is thinking, like, well, that would be stupid just go and do, like, a heavy deadlift without any type of warm-up. Well, again, when it gets to the point where, let's just say you need to lift something heavy in real life, and it's an emergency situation, are you going to go warm up? Are you going to go lift a smart car about three or four times before you have to go lift another car? Well, that's just stupid. You've never been in a situation where a car is going to be on someone. How do you know? That's why it's called when ish hits the fan. Right. <laughs> that's, what, that's what ish hitting the fan means. Okay, so you had no idea. It's, that's what happens when things jump off. So every now and then what I like to do, and it's not something I do very often, but it's also a good mental test because when you walk up to, a, to deadlift, let's say, I'll just go with something that's kind of like for some people who are really hardcore and something very heavy for other people who are, you know, may not be that much in the deadlift. And let's say I have 425 on the bar and I'm just going to do it for one time. I'm not sitting there trying to do this for 10 reps. Okay. The object here is like, just go over here, pull it off the floor one time, see how that feels. Maybe two at the most. Okay. There's a different type of mental preparation going on right here because you're thinking like I haven't warmed up. And the one thing I get to dial in is really making sure that my form is right on point. My breathing is right on point. I'm in the moment. I can't lollygag and think about the next set or whatever else I'm going to do that day. I'm going to be like, okay, my intention right now is to lift 420 off the floor one time, no warm-up or anything, to see if I have it in me. And guess what? A lot of times it's, it's beautiful because I don't have room for distractions. And a lot of times when we have warm-ups and, and we go through our regular routines in the gym, a lot of times we've gone through and we're so focused on things now. Like, okay, I'm going to warm up with this, warm up with this, warm up with this, do my main lift, do my main lift, and then I'm going to stop. And we're thinking like that as we're walking up to the bar for the first lift. We're already so far ahead and focused on something that hasn't even happened yet. So basically, that to me is a lie because it hasn't happened. It's in the future. You haven't even made it that far into your training. What happens? What if you lift this during the warm-up and something goes wrong during the warm-up? God forbid. Yeah. No one thinks about that. No one thinks things are going to go wrong in a warm-up because it should be lighter. It should be better. Well, guess what? When things are lighter and somewhat, quote-unquote, easier, that's when we make the most mistakes because we take, take it for granted. And we're just like, ah, this is a lightweight. I can do what I want. And that's when we're really sloppy. If someone is, like, lifting with kettlebells, and let's just say I've had some clients who are, like, working with, like, the 16 and the 20, but sometimes I can see they're kind of having an off day. I'll tell them drop down to the 12 to do a certain exercise or whatever's in our routine for that day. Then you can see the ego face kick in like, I don't want to go back to the 12. I'm lifting more than that now. But, right. it's, but it's one of those days where I can tell like today, especially for what we're doing, using the 12 will probably be the best thing you can do. So what happens is then they get going and you can kind of see the, their mood is shifting a little bit when with that 12 because they're feeling like, okay, I don't feel so beat up and worn out. So it goes to a point where they're actually building up and getting into the mode where they should, you know, what's going to help them 
have them have an optimal training day. But then ego steps back in one more time and realizes, like, okay, we're feeling good now. You know, the day doesn't suck like it did when we first got to class. And this is just a 12. And then form starts going a little sloppy because they start, as I call it, you start bitch slapping the 12 around because you can. So one of the things I always try to help, help them dial in with that is like, I said, treat that 12 like it's a 32. Okay. Turn or better yet, treat it like a 24 since green, the shade of green is not that far from the shade of blue. I said, treat this bell mentally like it is a green bell. Okay. And make it heavier in your mind. And what people understand is that your mind is just that powerful. You can take a 8 or a 12 and really make it heavy in your head because at the end of the day your brain doesn't know what either weight weighs it doesn't know you know so what it's looking at is the form it's looking at what you've done so my thing is if you're dialing it in and that's why a lot of times I like to lift with my eyes closed again it's not something you do as a beginner uh, I've even competed with my eyes closed and I've done better when my eyes are closed because I can't see all the things that could go wrong with my eyes closed all I can see is good form and really be dialed into every rep that I'm doing. So therefore, I'm not caught up in looking at the clock. I'm not looking at my coach. I'm not looking at the crowd. It it actually helps me turn my ears off and not hear the crowd or whatsoever. So, and a lot of that comes from, you know, things that we're hopefully we'll talk about in the future as far as meditation, how that helps with all that and really helps to create these visions in your mind. It can really, really help you dial in and make a lightweight, a heavier weight and help you dial it in and get your form down and make sure you're not getting sloppy just because it's really, really light and keep you in the game. So again, all these different things of just like say a good way of training for mental toughness. And even with something with a light weight, you can still train for mental toughness with the lightest weight you can think of. And because now you actually have to be internal and actually really not just go through the motions and just use the physical aspect of it and actually use the mental aspect of it with your training. And then that carries over to when you go back to your regular regimen and now you've got a connection between the mental and the physical. And guess what? That helps out with the emotional after that, because every now and then I'm telling you when things are starting to suck and, and you, if that workout did not go the way you planned, you know, another thing kicks in, you're thinking before the next one, like, damn dude, you know, that last, you're focused on that last workout like that. I couldn't really get 420 up and I warmed up and everything. And you start kind of questioning yourself a little bit, you know, so what was it? If you're smart, you're going to wonder like, okay, why did I have such a bad day? Was it my eating for that day? What did I eat? You know, was it my sleep or was it that my wife's getting on my nerves or was it that, you know, my dog took a crap on our carpet and I got to clean it up, (laughs) you know, right before I went to the gym, you know, it's just like, you got to really think about like what, you know, what attributed to that training day not being the most optimal. And then, you can address those issues, and then the next time you go train, it's like, okay, I made sure that the dog took a crap before, about an hour before I left the house outside. <laughs> you know, I made sure that I mowed the yard so my, my, my wife wouldn't be snappy with me, and I made sure that I ate about two hours before my training, and I had some good food, and I didn't overeat, and I made sure that I, I knew I was going to train today, so I made sure that my sleep was on point last night. So you correct those things, and then, boom, you can go back in the gym. Everything's a little bit better this time around. So... It's just, it's just more than just going into the gym and just pick up the weights and going and like, yeah, I got a PR today. And then thinking it's going to be like that every day. It's going to be, it's going to be some monkey wrenches thrown in there. And it's all about how you're going to deal with those monkey wrenches when they are thrown at you, you know? Yeah, no, it's very true. What's interesting about warm-ups is that there's a really good book called Big Beyond Belief by a guy named Leo Costa, who is a bodybuilder who went to Bulgaria and learned Olympic weightlifting techniques in terms of 
periodization, programming, et cetera, and took a lot of those concepts and applied it to a bodybuilding regimen. It's a pretty popular program in the late 80s, mid 90s, and so forth. I, I actually did really well with it. In fact, I just dug the book out because I'm going to apply some of the concepts to my own workouts in the next couple of weeks. But one of the things that he talked about in there is how the Bulgarian weightlifters would get to the point where they didn't have to warm up even right before a maximum load. They could just walk right out, load up the bar, and go for it. And it was something that they gradually worked towards. So if you're used to doing a lot of warm-ups, then just going right to your money set is going to be it's not the best thing to do initially. You want to kind of dial back the warm-up sets and get used to that. But, the, mm-hmm. what, what, they, but what you find is exactly what you said. When, when, you, when you're focusing on the heavy weights, you're no longer distracted now. When you do a lot of warm-up sets, often you get, you're, you're distracted. You're not focused. You get to your heavy set. You're still distracted. You're not focused. But when you don't have a chance, to distract yourself when you just go right at it now you have to focus immediately on what you're doing you're mm-hmm. ironically more likely to get injured during the warm-up sets for the very reasons you mentioned where you're just not focused because you don't respect it like a lot of times you you'll pull your back on your warm-up set of deadlifts because you just didn't set up properly like oh i can pick up 135 with any technique i want right so you, you round your back and you don't keep the bar close to your shins and all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're like oh man what did i just do with that now, when the weight is heavy, you know that before you set. When you're about to go pick up a heavy weight, you realize you're not going to be able to get away with that. So you make sure everything is dialed in. You make sure your stance is correct. You make sure you breathe in at the right time. You make sure you brace for it, the whole shebang. So yeah. there's, a, there's a lot to that. And sometimes we get distracted with so many different things that we're more likely to get injured in that state. It's just like fighters when they lose against someone that they never should have lost against. Why does that happen? Because they went into the fight thinking this is going to be a breeze. That this yeah. shouldn't be that, that's what happened to Overeem against Silva. It's what happened to George St. Pierre when he fought Matt. What was Matt Zera? Matt Zera, exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, but he, those guys learned their lesson real fast. They yeah. went into those fights thinking, "I'm the champion. This guy's no one." And what happened? They got their asses handed to them. So I mean, the same thing can happen to you in a different context. It can happen in the yeah. gym. It can happen in every facet of your life. But really, really, I feel like the most valuable thing you learn from really arduous physical training is how it can help you persevere in other things, whether it's whatever hardship you're dealing with. That I feel is that's what I've always felt is the greatest benefit of hard training. Yeah. You don't want to have your whole day revolved around making sure your workout is perfect because you, you bring up an interesting point that I see all the time where I'll, I'll talk to people and say, hey, you guys want to go do a hard hike in Vegas at Red Rock on Sunday? And people will be like, nah, I got to work out tomorrow. I was like, well, what, what does that have to do with today? I'm, I'm probably going to work out once I get back from hiking because that's another example of what I'm talking about with mental yeah. toughness. I go hiking with Grover. We hike up a mountain, hike back down. You feel you're, you're pushing yourself hard, but you're in nature. You're breathing in. You're kind of in that meditative state. You feel like a million bucks. Sometimes I'll come home right afterwards and get in a hard workout, and I feel great. So, I mean, it's, it's, you don't want to be that person where you can only perform at a high level when everything is perfect. It's like, well, as long as I got eight hours of sleep and as long as I got my morning coffee, as long as I had a high-protein breakfast, as long as I was perfectly hydrated, as long as traffic was fine on the way to the gym, as long as I had the right workout music in my iPod, then I can do this. <laughs> because what's funny is sometimes I'll put up clips of me doing various things in the gym and people will be like, oh, the workout music there sucks. And I'll be like, really? you know what? I don't even know. I don't even notice that because I'm focused on what I'm doing. I don't even notice the music. I don't even notice. I don't even know what they're talking about until they bring it up, and then I'll go back and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, they're right. The music does suck." But when I'm but when I'm doing the actual exercise, I don't care what the music is or what's going on around me. I'm focused on what I'm doing. 
So, I mean, so that's the kind of focus, the kind of resolve you want to have whenever you're trying to get anything done, is that you have to be able to push through. I mean, there, there have been times where I'm giving public lectures in front of hundreds of people, and I just go blank. Now, when that first happened years ago, I totally panicked, where one of my managers had to come up and save me. And I felt like such an idiot when that happened that I was like, what did I panic about? So what? Just stay calm and push through. So that happens to me all the time now when I teach. I'm, I'm just talking about something, and then while I'm saying it, I go, what am I talking about? And I'll just make a joke about it. I was like, guys, uh, I just forgot what I'm talking about. Anyone remember what I just said? And they'll be yeah. like, yeah, you were talking about dopamine. Okay, now I remember. And then people <laughs> laugh, and you go on. So that, that's an example of what I mean. Is Now, what if someone goes into the lecture thinking, okay, everything has to be perfect. I need to say this, and then I'll transition to this. And what if you go blank in that moment? You're not expecting that now, so you're going to totally panic. And then the whole room's going to get uncomfortable, you know, watching <laughs> you sweat in a pool of sweat. So it's kind of like you have, you have to leave some room for things. You have to leave some room for things for Murphy's Law kicking in. And you, you train yourself to be tough is the reality. No one is just born tough. It's, some, it's a skill set that you train yourself to be. So, I mean, it's, uh, there's a great line in that movie, Man on Fire. It's like, there's no such thing as tough, trained or untrained. And that's very true. If you're not trained, then forget it. And the other thing is that there was a famous, famous coach who said that football coach, forget his last name now, uh, Lombarda, Vincent Lombarda. Vince Lombardi. Vince yeah, Lombardi. Vince Lombardi. That, that's it. Vince Lombardi, where he basically said, fatigue makes cowards out of all of us. all, yeah. And that, yeah, and that's basically true. It's like once, once you reach a certain <laughs> fatigue point, you're going to be a bitch no matter what, oh, yeah. no matter who you are. You know, we all <laughs> have I said that in my classes. I'll bring it up in my class all the time. As soon as I said, don't, make, don't let fatigue make you sloppy, which is just another way of saying, you know, don't let it make you a punk. Right. <laughs> you know, because when you start, you, you really get off your game when you get tired. Because then all of a sudden the demons jump in. And all of a sudden you hear all those voices in your head like, oh, man, this is it. We can't go any further, man. We can't do another rep. Oh, we can't go another round. Oh, it's hot out here. Damn, it's hot in Houston. Well, hell, you've been in all your life. So, but, you know, we could be inside. We could be in 24-hour fitness where it's nice and air conditioned. And, you know, we could be doing curls, you know, on a squat rack or something like that. <laughs> you know, it's like, why are we out here doing chimp walks down a freaking parking lot? This dude is crazy. What does he come up with this dude? All that stuff is going through your head in a matter of just a 30-second rest period. Okay, the demons are just snapping and chomping and just flapping their yap over and over and over. So that's when, you know, you got to really put fatigue to the side right there. Now, no one's saying that, okay, if you're feeling like things are hurting, like really hurting, and you feel like you're going to injure yourself, then yes, please stop. Okay, stop. But yeah, a lot of times. Toughness is not about pushing through with bad things. Yeah, yeah that, but that's there's one, one thing. That's one thing we're both emphasizing. Yeah, yeah. and then you understand there's a difference between feeling sore and being injured. And right. a lot of times people get those two confused. I'm, I always ask, like, can you move your arm? Yep. Can you move your fingers? Yep. Oh, is, is it broken? Nope. All right, do another push-up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I said, until your elbow is just, you're like one rep away and it feel like it's going to snap out, then you're okay. I said, just push. In fact, this is the time you really need to do a push-up when you think there's no way in the world you can do another one. It, let it be ugly. Let it be ugly. Sometimes the form is going to have to be a little ugly sometimes. So, yeah, go ahead and clench up, clench your butt cheeks, brace your abs, and just push. Yeah, you're going to shake like a crackhead. But you know what? When you complete that rep one more time or at least give it your all to the point where you know you cannot complete the entire rep, then you'll get more satisfaction out of that instead of just stopping and always wondering, well, dang, what if I had done it one more time? Maybe I could have got one more rep. That's like the worst feeling ever when you're training like, damn, could I have done one more? I never right. want to feel that. You know, I want to be just more like, Shh, that's it. 
I have nothing. <laughs> it's a wrap, son. You know, I can put it down. Uh, all right, today I'm done. That's it. I like knowing that that was it. Right. You know, or to the fact that, okay, today was great, and now I got more momentum for the next day. I don't want to get to that point where I'm just wondering, like, dang, you know what? I probably could have gone one more minute. That's, I'm sorry. There's no satisfaction in that for me. <laughs> Unless I'm just having a really, really good day, and let's just say I'm doing something for time. Again, we can go back, for me, to go back to kettlebell sport, where my time is up. Ten minutes is up or a five-minute sprint is up, and I'm still feeling good. Like, shh, I could have gone another five minutes. Now, that's a different story right there, and that's a good feeling. But like I said, just in my training, though, it's just like, ah, I never want to be at that point where I'm like, yeah, I think I quit too early. Ooh, that sucks. <laughs> that is a sucky feeling. And if that's not a sucky feeling for other people, then you might want to check yourself. You know, to the point where quitting doesn't suck and it doesn't make you think about it, mm, you have some things to reconsider. <laughs> yeah, you always, you always want to know that you, you gave it your all in life. I mean, I, I've had things, previous businesses in the past that didn't work out, and I know for a fact it wasn't because of lack of hard work on my part. It was poor right. strategy because I pushed it hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I left it all on the table, and it didn't work out. I went into debt, lost a lot of money, and then had to you know, get a regular job, get out of debt, and live, fight another day. But, what right. I, but, but looking back, I don't look back on some of those experiences and go, you know what? I didn't push it as hard as I could have. That's why it didn't work out. No, I pushed it way harder than I should have, frankly, pushed it to be successful. It was just a bad strategy. So if you have a bad plan, forget it. It doesn't matter, matter how hard you work. If the strategy is not good, it's not going to be effective. So the key is you work hard, exactly. but you have an effective strategy. And mental toughness training just helps you with that. It. it gives you more of that perseverance so that you don't cave when things get difficult. A lot of times, people are so mentally weak in our country right now. Speaking of mental toughness, <laughs> see if I can talk to the dogs. Give me one second. No problem. So, yeah, man. So, you know, like you're saying, it's just like, that's one of the things I really love about mental toughness training, man, is just really incorporating that in the middle of all the other things that I'm doing. And it's always good to like have one day every now and then, like, again, like we said before, you know, a lot of this, what we're talking about is for more advanced training. So you got to build yourself up to what we're talking about right here. I wouldn't suggest someone who just started going back to the gym or just going to the gym for the first time to try to go in and lift something really, really heavy without a warm up or anything like that. It's one of those situations, like I said, you're going to build yourself up and, like we mentioned a couple of uh, shows ago, you know, what you want to do is always want to leave with some type of success. And that's how you build up to what we're talking about. Now you, you sit there, you go through, you learn the fundamentals and then you really get it dialed in and know exactly how to do the lifts and what kind of program you need and really get the momentum going and really build up that confidence that you can go in and do these type of things that we're talking about for mental toughness training. And so, and another way that helps is document what you're doing. Don't just guess, and leave it for chance, just go in and do something here, fiddle-faddle around with this way, do this, or just like, oh, okay, I'm going to do about, mm, just do, I'm going to do a few curls here and do some presses. All right, it was a good day. No, you actually want to also be able to know exactly how you're getting better and how you're building the confidence and, and getting things going as well. So you definitely want to keep up with that. So, again, well, there's, a, there's a time and place for it all. You know, I mean, most of the time I want to be fresh and have things dialed in and leave with the success, not burn myself out, because that's how you refine the technique and get better at performance and create that mind body connection and so forth. But you don't you also you don't want to be someone where you fear fatigue, where you're going, I need to be fresh. I need to have this. I need to be in this state all the time. It's good to, again, push yourself 
in ways where you get very uncomfortable because now you learn how to deal with discomfort. And that's always going to be a good skill because anytime you grow in life, there's, there's discomfort you have to go through, which, which is one of the main reasons why people are never successful at anything. And this is not me like ripping on other people like I'm so great because I've been this person myself many times in the past. And sometimes it comes up now where you don't want to deal with that discomfort. So it's, it's, me, it's me basically expressing what I know personally, what I, I've been through these things before. And when you're, when you're someone who is so mentally weak that you don't want to deal with any hardship, which is frankly an epidemic in our country right now, where people look at anything that's difficult as, oh, it shouldn't be this difficult, it should be easy, or this workout's too hard, or this is too hard, or this job is hard. You know, whatever you want to do that's meaningful in life, it's going to be hard. So just get over that. I mean, you, you should actually look forward to that because the person you become in the process of dealing with hardship is immeasurable. I mean, that, that's invaluable. So that's something where when a challenge comes on, you want to have your, your mind and body trained to the point where you're like, bring it on. I'm ready to take this challenge. Yep. I'm ready to crush it. I'm ready to go with it. We'll definitely talk about mental talk. I know you've got to get going. I need to get going too. But we'll, my, one of my friends, a guy named Jackson Yee, who has a book coming out on mental toughness training, and he has a lot of really cool things. So I think he wanted to come on the show the week after next. I think what we'll do is we'll do one more show with just the two of us now that we've got these audio issues fixed up, and then we're going to start bringing on some guests, all different awesome. kinds of guests, fitness experts, the mind-body experts, philosophy experts, you name it, all kinds of different interesting people to have more good conversations. But uh, just recapping with some of the things we have coming up, again, I have a coupon code for 10% off on my supplements, my testosterone booster, my recovery oil, and a systemic enzyme product I carry to lower inflammation called Exelzyme. Just put in coupon code LLA when you check out, and you'll get 10% off your order. And also, I have workshops coming up in Holland and Germany in August. These are going to be the only European courses. Actually, the only courses I'm doing in Holland and Germany this year will be in August. I have a course coming up in October, which will be on my site soon. It's going to be me, Dan John, and Sabina Scala, a good friend of mine, UK right. coach, excellent Olympic lifter and MMA coach. We'll have her on the show sometimes, too, as well. She has a, a lot of cool things to say about training. So uh, that's going to be on my website soon as well. And then, Sincere, I know you have some things coming up. You have a workshop coming up and some other things you're working on. Yeah, right now, right off the bat, by the time everyone hears this call, um, I will be in New Orleans with Ken Blackburn um, for the IKFF um, excuse me, um, competition that's going on in New Orleans. But we have a workshop the following day. Ken is going to be teaching a kettlebell sport workshop and also a Bulgarian bag workshop that following day after the competition. That's on a Sunday. So if people are coming to New Orleans, um, even if you're not competing, you can make it out and sign up for those workshops. I'm going to be doing a bodyweight workshop in between both the kettlebell sport workshop and Bulgarian bag workshop. And basically it works like this. When you go and you sign up for those, either one of those workshops that Ken's teaching, you get my workshop as a bonus, you know, on me. So That's great. You, you can go over to um, Cypress Fitness's website, which is live cypressfitness.com slash events. And you can sign up for Ken's workshops there. And like I said, as part of signing up for either one of those workshops in new Orleans, you'll get my bodyweight workshop as, as a bonus. And then the following week after that, um, you can go to my website. You can see the registration for this. It's the bodyweight workshop that I have in Chicago, which is also the weekend of the IKFF competition in Chicago. That Friday night is my master class. That Sunday is the bodyweight workshop. And that information can be found at my website at newwarriortraining.com. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and throw this in here. So anyone, any of our listeners here, you can go onto that. And if you just go in and type in ROCK20, that's ROCK20, 
and the coupon code, they'll give you 20% off the registration. So that's for our listeners out, that are out there right now for the Chicago workshop. Um, other than that, you can find everything you want to about the podcast at our fan page, which is Live Life Aggressively. Just type that in on Facebook. Or you can always go ahead and lock us in on LLAPodcast.com and save us into your favorite podcast program that you listen to everything in. Oh, and we're on Stitcher now. So now we're on iTunes and we're on Stitcher. So Stitcher is a platform for everyone, whether, you know, it's Apple, you know, Windows, whatever is based, or even on your phone, whether it's an iPhone or Android, whatever, you can hear us on Stitcher as well as iTunes for the iTunes listeners out there. So keep your feedback coming. So you can leave your feedback on the fan page, send your emails to Mike and myself and hit us up on Twitter. You just, we're both under our respective names on Twitter. It's really simple. There's at Mike Mahler, at Sincere Hogan. Been loving the feedback from you guys, and trust me, it really helps us help this show grow, and we appreciate everything. Yeah, I, I, I definitely concur with Sincere. We appreciate all the feedback. This, we, all, we always want the show to be about good conversation and then also giving you some interesting tips on just different things in life. But it's always going to be very freestyle like this. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where many people have told us they like all the different tangents and enjoy the conversation. That's generally what it's going to be because I don't want the show to become scripted where now it's boring as hell. Let's be honest. Anytime something is scripted, it's painfully boring. Anytime someone's worried about being politically correct, you know it's going to be a snooze fest. It's going to be boring as hell. So we're going to keep this show interesting, and we're just going to start fine-tuning each episode sooner, though, so we have kind of a theme that we stay on with. But we're going to leave room for going off on those tangents, too, because, frankly, it's just fun to do that, okay? (laughs) So that's just what's going to happen there. And we're going to plug what we do as well because we're both working professionals and we're doing the show for free, which we like doing. But we're going to mention things we have coming up, things that we think are useful for you as well. So anyway, I think that's going to do it for this week. We'll definitely come back again next week, talk about some more fun stuff, and look forward to having a lot of interesting guests on the show soon. It's going to be, it's going to be great as this show really evolves for us. Awesome. So thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you guys next week. Take care. Take care, everyone. Bye.